Hello and welcome back to the Not So Fake Couple podcast with your hosts, Lucy Davis. I'm Benjamin Holden. We've not been here for a while and we sound absolutely bunged up. I do, I do apologise because I don't like listening to people often when they're a little bit... I don't think we're bunged up, we're just a little bit no, jet-lagged and... Jet-lagged. Jet-lagged. Carl, is it legged or lagged? It's lagged, but I say lagged. Jet-lagged. I think it sounds a bit more sexy. <laughs> oh my god, a jet leg. No, we do, we definitely do sound a little bit bunged up though, but I read... I mean, it might have been Carl who... Someone told me the number of days that the time difference was. That's how long it takes you to recover. Which I don't know if I believe, because if you're in Australia, <laughs> you've got, isn't it a 12-hour time, time difference? difference? I don't know. So we've we've been taking melatonin, days. though, to help us balance the hormones of serotonin and melatonin out so that we can try and get back to some normality with sleep again. But I don't think it helped that we went to the Gymshark event the day we got back. So we literally had two hours sleep, up for like 30 hours. And then obviously in a very intense environment. But it was great to see a lot of people at the event and meet a lot of people. And also we met lots and lots and lots of our podcast listeners, which is absolutely awesome, who had lots to say. And it was great to just be able to, to kind of see the podcast community. Yeah, absolutely. I think the amount of caffeine that we had that day also probably didn't help. Speaking but... of caffeine. Oh, no. We hate the monster. Just before we dive into today's podcast, though, we have the most... <laughs> hilarious what did you think of this car by the way because i haven't seen your reaction about it yet it's fucking awful it is awful i'm glad you agree did did lucy tell you the story about when we got this done vaguely she smudged it right yeah she smudged it so we had to let we'll go to the start but we have to leave it there so obviously when she was drawing this is a picture by the way for anyone who's watching it's a caricature that we got done in universal studios and we watched this guy do one of these two kids and it looked amazing and then this is the one that she did for us so we already have len and boosie here if you're watching on youtube or spotify if you're not just jump over this is len and boosie it looks absolutely nothing like us which is why they're on the podcast set and they're called len and boosie this has to be as the collection honestly so it's one of those things but quite luckily so as ben said she accidentally smudged it so she took a picture of us and we went off for like an hour and came back I am so thankful she wasn't actually there to give it us because she gave it us in this golden tube. I think if she'd seen our facial reactions, yeah. we would have just been like... <laughs> Unfortunately, Lucy had already paid for this, by the way, as well, so... It's Ben. It's actually hideous. <laughs> You've not seen it. <laughs> Why do I look like a cross between Drake and Ali G, by the way? <laughs> It, do you know what? It's just not even accurate. No, I've got blue eyes. Racially, I've changed as well. Yeah, they've done you completely wrong. You're like a gangster. Look I know. You changed. A cross between Drake and Ali G. And your vest. And the the elf off Lord of the Rings. Look at my ears. I've got big ears, but I haven't got ears which are pointy. You Do you know who you look like? Have you ever watched Hunger Games? You know the guy who's the game maker? You look like him. You do. Yeah, really? you do. How much did that cost you, by the way? $70. <laughs> $70 and she gave us the tube for free. Maybe she felt so bad that yeah. it was just... Do you know what though? It was really upsetting because we were going to put this as part of the podcast set. set up. Maybe we still do. I don't think we do because that that looks nothing I like me. Let's have a look. I, the th- I didn't see the chain as well because we got the chain on. It definitely looked like Ali F. Do you know what I mean? It's just the absolute I think I of... do think you're worse off than me. I do as well. I think I've had a bit of a... You said, because I said to Ben, I was like, oh, which bit do you think they're going to highlight of you? Like, what what are they going to make really big? 
and Bella's like, oh, my ears, which they have, they have, but the whole of you, the yeah. whole of you is just so, <sighs> whereas mine's obviously my smile. I hate that noise. <laughs> we were going to leave it in America, but it was one of those things where, you know, what, I think, we, I thought... think when we move, we're going to move studios at some point and recreate I think this is definitely going up in the new studio. Oh, I just think I'm, it's going back going in its box point. for now. It is a it is an absolute Lennon Boosie though. Boosie and Lennon. Can't even fit in its special container. That's what she said. Um, we yeah, just got back from holiday, and I don't know how this is tied into Coro, but we've got chocolate here as well. <laughs> we got back from holiday. Oh, chocolate because we ate so. Yeah much when we were away the food in america is literally wild yeah. we went to a walmart to kind of experience the american dream and it i've when i got out i felt like i needed an insulin shot yeah the so loads of people message saying a lot of the ingredients that are in america are banned in europe and you can some of the stuff on that shelves i'm thinking your cereal your cereal if you had that every day might give you a heart attack it was it was all just a lot, wasn't it? But we did try a lot of different things. But I shit you not, it's not as nice as this salted caramel well, chocolate. Well, this is why the stuff's good because don't eat on don't eat on mine. It's more natural. It's not a high sugar. So even Oliver, which is my little nephew who's five or six, he was great having these and he loved them. And it's way better for kids as well to have than just mm. a load a load of shit. I mean, granted, he did pound mm. in about half a kilo of sour patch kids as well. Foods. Yeah. They were also massive Sour Patch kids. That yeah, Sour Patch and steroids, they are huge. But no, we did miss Coro since we've been away. I obviously have it in my granolas, you guys know. That one's nearly empty, which is sad because they're my favourite. The, are they called like the clusters? These are the dark chocolate cookie clusters, which are insane. <sighs> they're that's my favourite. That's how many we got left. We also got, so I had some, I bought like a massive box of ginger juice. So every morning you just squirt a bit of ginger juice out. It's really strong to be fair. It's not for the faint hearted. And also some dried strawberries. Which is delicious. There you go. They're Thank great. You. Um, do you know what? The... My appetite for anything that's sweet has definitely decreased since we've been to America. You know, when you have an abundance of something, something mm. and then you don't crave it as much. Same as alcohol. We drank every single night. Yeah. Well, I mean, we didn't like, way drink. <laughs> oh I'm going to get Cal to put this video up of you. We, me and Lucy did the Epcot bar crawl again. We were drunk that day. It was day. insane. So you, basically, if anyone who hasn't done it, there's 11 different countries in Epcot. The amount of requests i've had for us to do uh, a youtube video or a guide on disney by the way is insane <laughs> yeah i know so if i'm thinking do you know what but anyway I feel... mm. anyway epcot there's 11 countries you can go all around them it took us about four or five hours you have a drink in each country so every single country you have a, a drink sort of which represents that nation and we got to america and there's a picture of us we'll pop it up with me and Lucy with our tongues in a strawberry daiquiri. Yeah, and we went, this, we went to this White House gimmicky thing and there's a show on that you're supposed to watch which is super... Very patriotic. It yeah. was very America. It was. And we watched five minutes and fell asleep. Yeah, we did. Because, <laughs> because the, I didn't realise you were asleep. I just rested my head on no, Ben's shoulder. No, you were asleep before me. Yeah, no, but that's what I mean. I, just, I rested my head. They turned all the lights off and I thought, brilliant. I'll just shut my eyes for two minutes. 40 minutes later, we've had a power nap. Yeah, we, we were waking up and everyone's like, Whoa, yeah. <laughs> And then, yeah, the rest of the countries. And then by the time we got to the Guinness country, which was the UK. And I honestly, the UK okay, part I'm is so... I'm going to get Carl to put this video up with the, with the Guinness because the, this is where Lucy's 
two-stepping and lost it, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely gone. But I did think the UK part, it really, you kind of walked into it and you thought, oh, like they've really replicated sticky pubs. I thought it was really nostalgic. I thought it was really good. The smell, the feel, the barman who was in there. It was great. Yeah, it is fantastic the way they do it. But we, we we did drink every single night. We had something. I had a lot of margaritas, but that was the day where we really went a little bit too ham, isn't it? But anyway, the Coro discount, which you've not even told about yet, is not so fit five. You can get discount on Coro. There's a link below to shop it. Please tag us if you do, because we love to see. Also, you guys. lots of nice non-dairy milk, which is what all we drink at the moment. So we get big packages of it all the time with oat milk. Oh, sorry. When you said non-dairy milk, I thought you meant like a milk bar. No. Yeah, non-dairy milk. I went through six lots of oat milk. Can you just also explain to you why I've got this and I've just yes, realised well, I've is my, sat. This is my first point. So today's podcast is on five <laughs> things that we learnt in 2023, which I thought would be interesting. But we've just sat here for the whole start the first, of the podcast with the that on my nose. first one is to use nose strips. This was a, actually a very, very Should recent, very recent discovering and finding of mine. And I'm going to show you and put one on and explain a little bit about them. Uh, Carl, what was your thoughts when you put one on today? I feel like I can smell the future. These yeah. things are fucking amazing. Yeah, Carl's got one on no. now. It's like 3D breathing, isn't it? It's can I, literally... Can I have another one, please? Yeah, but I'm not opening for you. That's the, only, that's the hardest bit about it, is opening the bloody yeah, things. Yeah, you just have to rip it. But there it is, guys. Nasal strips. So these ones are by... Because people ask me the brand. Um, Sleep Ease Remedies. Yeah, we aren't sponsored by these or anything, by the way. They're just... These were £8. <laughs> we're not asleep. <laughs> and they last two months. So I'm just going to show you how you put them on because you want to see. You want to put them on not too low down the nose, not too high up. You want to put them on basically where the... The bridge. The, the, it's called the depression in the nose. So it's where the nose goes in. So you put it on the center of the nose. Can you tell... You can hear in my voice that I've taken it off, by the way. Yeah. That's how bunged up I am. Put it on the center of the nose. It's how jet legged And you want to bend the bit of the coil around and then put it... There. On the nose. Like there, that. Ben. Yeah, you're a bit wonky. What am I? Yeah, a bit more right. There you go. There. Yeah. There, Ben. Wow. Press. <laughs> I can breathe normally. Is that right, Ben? Yeah. Press. Wow. Do you know what is the weirdest thing, though? You, it actually changed your life. Our life yeah. has been changed forever. I feel like I can breathe normally. Like again. You're Don't actually... do that on the mic, though. It's disgusting. <laughs> you, are, you are joking, though. That is. The so, way it works is beyond me. So one of the things that I've learned in 2023 that wow. nasal strips are the shit. They honestly have changed my life so far. And I, I trained legs in one this morning. My breathing was way better. But I'm also going to run in them this week just yeah. to see what it's like. Because I am a massive mouth breather. So I think this will definitely help in terms of opening up my nasal passages. Because as we become mouth breathers, we, we use these less and they become dilated sometimes. But some people's nostrils also just, if you look at some people have really slim, skinny noses, sometimes the nasal passages will just collapse and kind of be in. These nasal strips will help pull, pull the, um, sorry. Thank you. We didn't tell Ben for the podcast today to send your laptop I don't think anyone's asked that I'm going to WhatsApp. We are. We're me, not robots. Me, I have friends. Cal... I know people. Yeah, but if it's not me and Cal messaging... But if it's not me and Cal messaging you... when I'm listening to a podcast yeah. and I hear the bing bong, I think I've got a text <laughs> and it pierces me off. Yeah, anyway, these trainings help you also use your nose more to breathe rather than your mouth. So one of the other things that you can do if you want to, and I'm going to test it following this, is the mouth tape for I running. have tried that. You've obviously read the book... Breath, Breath by... James Nestor. Yes. It is 
fantastic. I really, really hope we can get him on the podcast one yeah. day. I'll be sat there with this on my nose opposite him thinking, you did this. Well, I was going to say, if, you say, if you're sitting there with tape on your mouth, you're going to hear... Nothing. But that's only when you're asleep. But the, these are good. If you, so if you're a snorer as well, and you have heavy snoring, yes, then these will also help because it help open up your nostrils. And even if you're still breathing through your mouth, you're, you're pulling more air through the nose as well. Did you actually know as well, you breathe more air through your nose than you do your mouth? But because so many people in this day and age are mouth breathers because they think it's easier to breathe through your mouth, it's actually not. Is so just you training yourself tell, to... Yeah, you can tell when you have this on. This is how you're supposed to feel. Mine's yeah. not too far off this, but I think because I'm ill, it's really opened up my airways. I feel like I'm breathing again. Yeah, same. When I first put on, I was like, I feel like I'm breathing for the first time. But when you're a mouth breather, what can happen? Your jaw can collapse and the, the, the shape of your face and your teeth and everything can change. I mean, that book really changed my life and I've heard it off my mum. Did you guys know that when you breathe air through your nose, you produce significantly more nitric oxide, which is a vasodilator, um, as opposed to mouth breathing? And that means it just helps widen your blood vessels, improves oxygen circulation. Yeah, so you get more oxygen into every breath, don't you, as well? Yeah, which is why you're not supposed to breathe through your mouth, really, when you're running. If you're like, (gasps) like panting, you can't catch your breath because you're not breathing properly. There's also a, a chemical which was released to do a stress when oh, you were heavy so. heavy panting i think what's his name is it dr changji who's got the podcast mm-hmm. he was talking about how our breath regulates stress hormones as well and when you're mm-hmm. heavy breathing it's directly correlated to then making you feel stressed because they're both are, are correlated together so if you are one of those people's heavy panting it can leave you more stressed out because it's like a vicious circle and also really light-headed like really lightheaded mm. if you're panting. That's why people start fainting and stuff like that. If you can control your breath, it will change a lot well, for you. Well, you also breathe from different places. This is something that I learned from you and my elocution teachers about breathing from the diaphragm, not mm-hmm. from the shoulders. Yeah, because a lot of time people go... Bring the shoulders up, yeah. You, do, you aren't supposed to bring your shoulders up. You're supposed to breathe through your diaphragm. And isn't it a weird thing? Like in every it's it's, unless, unless you you're conscious of it though, it's really difficult to do. Yeah, it's just an, it's just such a normal thing that we do is breathing. You don't even think the effect that it actually has on you. If you've been doing it wrong, it it has a massive profound effect. The only thing, the reason I know about the diaphragm thing is because of swimming, and I used to have really yeah. bad lungs. I think for anyone listening, especially our listeners, for exercise, training, sleep, running, even if you just kind of. Try one of these, or even if you just try and focus a little bit more on your breathing and be conscious of it, it will massively help with recovery and training as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, nose strips have been a big one for me. It's only been a recent revelation, but I'm loving it already. Recent revelation as in yesterday. yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was obviously breathing wise, I was looking more into it through, when I was doing the ice baths, I was really regula- regulating my breathing as well. Having well, this on in an ice bath would be amazing. Yeah. We've not actually dove into the ice bath yet since we've been back. It's been three days and we've not... I haven't done one yet because I think it's well. we're, we're a, little bit, a little bit too ill to do it so far. But my first thing well, that number, I have... Point number two, we'll just go back and forth. Point number two. This is, I think this is a really weird one, but it was more so something that I kind of picked up in America. And we, we discussed it quite a little bit. And it's it's just the idea of actually getting outside and hitting a step count is really valuable. Mm-hmm. And this isn't just that whole, oh, you need to hit 10, you need to hit this, you need to hit that. I'm just thinking... For a lot of people who maybe don't have as much time to train or who are severely overweight or severely obese, 
if they can just get out and hit a certain number of steps, that would be so beneficial for them. I mean, we why are you smiling like just that? Just looking at that thing on your nose, it just looks funny. Well, don't then, because we're talking about steps now. No, so, you know, because you're really nose. tanned as well, it looks really pink. You look like Nelly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ew. Nelly, remember? It's getting hot in here. Ooh, ooh, I thought you meant Nelly Furtado. No. I am getting so hot. I wanna t- He's yeah. a rapper. He had a plaster what? on his face. Do you not remember? Oh, wow. No, I don't remember. I know who it is from that song. It's a great um, example. <laughs> you see, I've lost my trail of thought now, Ben. Don't, because I've got a bit of brain fog Sorry. today. Continue. So I was steps. just saying, with the steps, obviously, we walked around the parks for two weeks, and we did about 25,000 steps a day. And we were also training, because we that's just who we are. We, we enjoy training. It makes us feel good. But... I don't think, and we've already been home and said, oh my God, we're, our steps are actually terrible in the UK. Like Mine are 2.4 today. Yeah, awful. 2.5. But if you just hit more steps, you actually feel better. I felt awesome. I know we were in Florida and it was hot and it was sunny and beautiful. I felt awesome just being out and being a bit more active, which is why I want to make a bit more of an effort when I'm back home. I know we train a lot. Great. Run. Cool. But going out midday, just half an hour, get some fresh air, clear your head, get your steps in a bit, and then go on another walk later. Amazing. Go for a little walk on your lunch break. Just stand up, stretch. Like your whole body aligns your body. And I, I really felt it when I was away. There's lots of other things to do with steps as well, of why it should be a priority, not just physiologically, but psychologically as well. So one of the big things is I can't remember the exact percentage, but it brings the rate of depression, anxiety, and stress down in males and females. If for females you hit about 10K and I think it's for males about 12K. There's just a study done in America a few years ago. And this is the big reason why people will push those statistics of 10K plus. It's not just for the physiological, but it's also for the your mental state as well. Mm-hmm. If you, I think part of it is if you're out in the fresh air, taking in surroundings, probably can't be on your phone as much. Maybe listen to something, a podcast, hopefully ours, mm-hmm. doing something that stimulates you and refreshes you and pulls you away from the stress and what you're doing and helps ground you a little bit is is great the other thing it's actually good for is digestion as well yeah so if you've got a bit of a bad stomach or bloating it helps the digestive system just flow better because you're getting a bit of movement so if you've ever realized that you're one of those people who plays the trumpet a lot as, as you're walking or needs to go to the toilet when you get back it often happens a lot for runners as well it's just because it's helping move the digestion of your stomach around a lot more and helps you have a better flow of poop. Yeah, I do have first-hand experience yeah. of that when I'm running. Not necessarily when I'm walking, but it definitely keeps everything fluid. And, and the other thing that I put a story up, which was a bit of a joke, when we were in America, and it's that quote of you can't out-train a bad diet. Yeah. And I said, yeah, but you can out-step it and out-sleep it because my steps were at one of the days, 32,000 for the day, and I slept for 10 hours. The, the, the reasoning behind that was, 32,000 steps a day, I think I've bent 4,000 calories. And don't get me wrong, I'm not doing that every day. I'm not saying that you should be. But the fact that you're moving that much, I, I couldn't even consume that much food. For me, it was difficult to do it. So I was probably around maintenance or in some days a deficit just because I was moving so much. And then the other thing is if I was sleeping for 10 hours, it means that I wasn't awake for as long. So I don't have a bigger eating window anyway. Mm. So that was my... It was kind of a joke, but it is also very, rings very true for the fact that if you're sleeping a lot and moving a lot, you kind of could out-train a bad diet, if that makes sense. Well, that was my point 
quite heavily in terms of if you don't have enough time to train or you can't hit the gym three or four times a week, if you can focus on getting your steps in, I think it would have a lot more value than people think. Well, this is the thing, if you're fat or you're overweight, is use that weight to your advantage. Go walking. It's going to be the, the best form of movement and exercise that you will be able to retain for a long period of time, be consistent, be motivated. It's low fatigue. It's low risk of injury. You're going to be able to do it every single day. And it's going to burn a lot more calories than you will just from lifting or trying to do things that are super high stimulus and fatigue that leave you in a shit place the next day. So use that weight to your advantage because your calorie expenditure from just doing the 10K steps per day is going to outweigh anything else that I think that you can do over the long term. Point number three. I feel like I sound really bunged up and it's You don't, actually. You, feel, you sound okay. But just don't sniff neither. Yeah, you also shouldn't swallow on mic. Do that here. Okay, do you know what I'll do? If I need to do anything, <laughs> I'll just leave the room. Fuck me. I've got basic bodily functions no. that happen. No, not I can't as in... Do, no, do you know what? Lucy's one of those people in, who's got the fear and the phobia of people drinking. Yeah, no joke. That. You should have heard yourself eating last night. Why? I thought a wild boar had broken into the house and was scranning through the cupboards. Well, you should have told me. No, because I'm not us. I know human no. beings will fart, poo, breathe, be alive, be present. No. You should have chilled. No, it was more so the, Ill, the illness swallow. I don't mind normal, just like every day, but the illness swallow no, sure. is a lot. Number three, be unapologetically you. That's like um, that's like a day, that's a quote, isn't it? Yeah, it's one of the things that I've yeah. been really trying to embrace this year because I think especially in this day and age, there's a lot of people who lack their own opinion, which is sometimes difficult because a lot of the times we see opinions which are just reiterated online, which are other people's opinions and then other people have said them. But I think it's important sometimes to share your own opinion, not just sit on the fence all the time about things and be- believe in things and do things that, or for you and not for other people. And remember that other people are fickle. People, even if you say something that's wrong or say th- something that people don't agree with, you'll either just get rid of a lot of people in the, in the camp that you don't necessarily want there anyway, or they've, they've forgotten about it in a certain period of time. There was a, a tweet, I think, that we did in the presentation at Performex by Alex Hormozzi. I need to get it up actually because it's brilliant. Can't remember what it was. Something about a funeral, wasn't it? Feel free to talk at any point. Sorry, I thought you were literally going to read your tweet out. No, I think it's completely true. I think one of the hard things is this day and age with social media and you. I guess people get scared that they're going to get like cancelled or called out or penalised when they, they just say an, an opinion. Far too much nowadays, people will speak about something and there'll be this massive backlash just because someone's had an opinion on something. I'm not saying a really stupid, like people say stupid shit on social media, but then obviously you have some people who will be scared to say things or scared to say how they feel because of the backlash that they're going yeah, to get. I think this this tweet is great. So it is, at your funeral, friends and family will argue over who gets what. People want food to eat. The topic will shift from your life to their lives. They'll drive away thinking about their looming to-do list. Some people won't be able to make it because something came up. And the meaning behind that is it's such a it's such a big pivotal point in someone. It's the end of someone's life, and they won't even remember the things 
from the funeral because they're so concerned about their own lives. So that's what I'm talking about in terms of don't be worried about expressing an opinion because it'll probably be forgotten about tomorrow. Even if you feel like you regret it in the long term, I always feel just try and get used to being uncomfortable or being unapologetically you. I think one of the prime examples of this was was True Geordie. Remember when he did, did a lot of stuff that was racist and he said a lot of different things on the podcast that were really controversial? A couple of weeks later, people had... For, I mean, don't get me wrong, there's, there's obviously a lot of people who hold, hold on to that. But there's people... He's still got a massive viewership. People are super fickle. They forget mm-hmm. about things straight away. Human beings will just forget and move on. And again, with mis- mistakes... The only person who will bear the weight of the mistake is you if you allow it to. People are too busy and too concerned with their own mistakes to even worry or remember about yours. Yeah, I mean, he was super inappropriate. It was just fucking absolutely ridiculous. Like The fact that he even had that thought process in his head is a lot for me to onboard. I mean, my, my opinion completely tainted of him, though. But then again, I didn't listen to him anyway. So it was a bit of a... Yeah, you can't say something like that. Like, it's, it's end of the line if you're, being, if you're, if you're racist. But you've also got people, I don't know if you remember, there was a girl on Instagram and her partner and they'd found tweets, I think, from when she was 16 and she, I think she and her partner were really racist. But then now it's just normal yeah, life but what again. We're, what, obviously, I've brought that up as a really extreme example. So on the scale of saying things that are stupid, that is dumbest of the dumb. I'm talking about making mistakes. That, know, that's yeah. obviously taking things to a, a whole new level when you're being racist so it, yeah, or homophobic or or being discriminative to other people. It's just a whole different level. That's also not really having an opinion on something, and that's just being a damn right absolute idiot. Yeah. Like you can what, have opinions on things. What I'm talking about is telling your your story because mm. people buy into people's stories. People people like to be a part of people's journey. If you can share more of the things that are close to you and you believe in your opinions and your views, people will buy into that and you'll find a lot of people who will be on the same line. You'll, you'll find a lot of people who will, will dislike you for it. That's good. I think you should have people who dislike you because then it shows that you're not just kind of one of these people who sits on the fence and never ever has an opinion. Yeah, and also I think life would be really boring if everyone just agreed on absolutely everything. I've had conversations with like my close friends where we we don't agree on things and it's just it's normal to not agree and it's normal to have conversation and discussion. Yeah, and make mis- this is this is the whole thing about the quote about the beauty of a diamond. So diamonds are beautiful objects, uh, shiny, they hold stories, they've been dug up from the earth by someone but they have these minor cracks and blemishes that you can see under the the microscope and all these imperfections are what makes a diamond beautiful because if you've got this perfectly cut thing pulled from the earth it's like a cube it wouldn't it wouldn't have the same value because it doesn't have a story behind it it doesn't have those failures those imperfections those tiny cuts and crevices that tell a story of that diamond how long it's been on the earth for exactly the same with you of you telling your story making your mistakes and molding as you go going along and learning from those failures Number four? We are number four. God, it's a slow day today, isn't it, Cal? Yeah, it is. I've had to take my headphones off because I can't listen to you doing that breathing thing. That's why I took my headphones off. Breathing thing? Cal, can you hear him, like, doing something down the mic? I can hear him breathing, but I mean, I'm... Jesus Christ. I apologize for being alive. No, no, it's not the breathing. It's not the breathing. What's he doing? I'll keep an ear out. Like... I don't know. I'll tell you. I'll. You just talk. heard him swallow, and that caught your attention. Didn't yeah, it? it did, but it wasn't <laughs> that. It wasn't that. I um, think. I think this is a massive you issue, by the way. Not a. 
Oh no, it isn't the issue. Hence why I've just taken my headphones off. Maybe it's just my brain's so bunged up. It's it's like exaggerating everything. This one I think you'll quite like. And we, so myself and Ben do quite a lot of reading. We like reading books. We have always done it. We got out of the habit a little bit. We started doing it more in COVID quite um, a lot, didn't we? This is interesting because this is one of my next points. Is it? You can always tie it into this one if you want to. I was basically just saying you don't need to, to be like a reader or be interested in books and things like that. You don't need to read a chapter a day. You don't need to read 10, 20 pages a day like all these people tell you. I sometimes have to read two or three pages, highlight it on my Kindle, go back over it, make a note on it, Google words because I don't understand what it means. And that doesn't mean I'm like fickle or whatever it is I just take a little bit longer when I'm reading certain books and I just think it's really important to know that you don't have to read a chapter a day you don't need to do 15 20 30 pages to like to be a read like I read two pages a day sometimes well I think it's absolutely okay I think there's a lot of pressure on people especially from this self-development sphere of this is what I do per day I read an hour a day I've read the I think do you know what the thing I, I actually do really like him the thing that Jay, Jay Shetty, Shetty said about I've read three was it three hundred books this year? I think he literally said I've read three hundred sixty-five books. Yeah, this year. which is a book a day. And then when he was actually quizzed on it, it was that he had read a chapter of each book or skimmed through each book and took. You've or not read, yeah, a book a day. You've skimmed through books. It's not the same thing. That's like that's like going through a book and there's twenty chapters and you look through all the titles and go, oh, I'll just read this one chapter. I mean, I've started reading books before. Do you remember, I think there was one called The Courage to Be Disliked. You loved it, and I thought, I'll give that a go. Yeah, it was really good. I got about three chapters in and thought, no, I'm not. This is not the book for me. It was and because I that, was, books. that was a bit of a journey um, and a conversational book, and it was it was, a, it was like a Japanese theorist or philosophy yeah. on how to be disliked. So it was more so the narrative that you took between the lines. I thought it was really good. Yeah, but but I just didn't vibe with that book, so I just put it down. And thought I'll start, I'll start a new one that I actually really enjoy. When I first started reading, though, I actually felt stupid because I'm, I've definitely got a, I'm on the scale of dyslexia, and it, I found it difficult at first. I think even when I was writing things up, a lot of times now when I write things or tweet things, I have to get you to check it or Cal to check it because I can read something four times and don't see anything wrong with it until you then physically point it out. Mm. But yeah, don't don't be worried about reading if you're not a big reader at the moment. I used to hate, hate reading. And now I actually really like it. Well, we, we both used to just do that thing where we used to buy loads of books. Never <laughs> just read them. put them on the shelf and think, oh, look at us, we're academics. Because that, that's, that, <laughs> that's that thing though, isn't it? About how people do it with Facebook. That they tell people they're going to do something because the actual affirmations and validation that come from people's comments and likes feels better than doing the thing itself so telling people that you're doing the thing feels better than doing it so just do the thing motion not action yeah you're stuck in motion. i'm not saying don't tell people because for me often it helps me keep accountable if i tell other people but if you're one of those people who's all fart no poo then <laughs> then probably don't do it i'm a teller I have to tell. I I tell people, so I stick. Yeah, to you it. can tell people as long as you do. You got you've got to walk the walk, walk as as well as talk the talk. But I think that helps you stay accountable. Not does for it everyone, not? because people get that immediate hit of validation and affirmations from other people, and they're like, "Oh, I've, I've got all the praise and stuff now." So 
Oh, yeah. I am that guy. Uh, if I need, if I'm, if I want to do something like go learn Spanish or go learn the yeah. drums, I need to go do it for a year and then show people I can do it. Yeah, to tell people I'm. Going That's to just do different, it. Pe- like pers- pe- people's qualities, and like we have some people who are visual learners, some people who are kinesthetic. Kinesthetic. It's me. Oh, hello. So I could kind of face yeah. that monster off. Anyway, point number five. This t- this ties into point number four very well how to remember things or how to remember things that you read because I think this is really difficult and I get super frustrated with this which is why I put a post on LinkedIn about it as well because I am often one of those people who reads it goes into my head and then it leaks out of every orifice in my body what's an orifice every hole in your body basically so sweat glands bum hole I like that's the hole that you thought was holes. That's the only hole. That is the only hole. Ears, mouth, nose, bum hole. No, orifice is like all the where your hairs come from, your sweat (laughs) glands, tiny holes. Where do you say holes though, you think? Come on. Yeah, where you could put a penis is what you think (laughs) about. Yeah, I know where your mind's going. (laughs) 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 Speaking about this, just quickly. that I meant. I meant quick, quick, quick tangent. Ah. Have you seen the woman who's <laughs> got two vaginas? Yeah. Yeah. No. She does OnlyFans. She's got two it's vaginas. Quite, it's not uncommon. No, no. no I think it's no. Is it 0.2 percent or two percent yeah, of women yeah. actually have it? They they have the two vaginas. They actually have the two reproductive systems as well. And basically, she basically she's got an OnlyFans page, and what she now says is one one of the holes is for a partner no, no. and the other one for porn that wow is... what can i also tangent have you seen the guy who's got two penises what yeah for real i don't I, know I, what, did i ever tell you about that what no 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 wait you <laughs> no, his name online is double dick dude <laughs> no it's not wow we'll have to have a look at double dick after the podcast no you will not no i just meant his instagram page i don't yeah. think it's it's not Instagram friendly, I don't think. Yeah. Oh, no, we can't look at it then. Yeah. Wow. Well, then it would get along very well, though, wouldn't they? <laughs> I was going to say. But also, I think, I do think, though, with, so this this woman who has two vaginas, you, you're cheating on your partner. Of course she is. I, th- I think if you have a, a partner and you have only, fa- I mean, that's actually, no, that's okay. I mean, more so like the porn side of it. Yeah. You can't be having sex with someone and be like, I've got a part. Well, no, because then you're not in a relationship. Yeah, Some people are in open relationships, you know? Yeah, an open relationship, you do you. I think this 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 will tie into the point that I'm going to speak about later anyway, about monogamous relationships, but... Monogamy. Back to reading and rem- <laughs> remembering. These are some tips that I've taken away from reading and remembering. So re- a big one is read and explain. Yeah. So I did this a lot on holiday. So I'd read maybe part of a chapter or a chapter... And then later that evening when we were on a walk, when we were doing something, I would relay the things that I'd learned or me and Lucy would debate the, the things that I'd learned and it helps then drill in, especially if you talk about it. I think if you read and teach or learn something and teach, it helps ingrain it more in your mind because you've then got to explain it in your own words. That is super beneficial. If you haven't got a partner, do it with a friend, family, whoever. So yeah, converse about it. The other thing is, basically turn your book into like a scribble book don't be afraid to get amongst it scribble in it change things in there what i do with pages where it's got important notes on is a bit basically create mini conclusions of the page at the very very bottom in bullet points in my own words that then help me understand 
that page, especially if it's quite a complex book. The other thing I'll do is underline words that I don't quite understand, so then I can Google them. Because one of the things that I find really annoying, and I actually did it before when I was speaking to Cal, trying to explain a book that I was reading at the moment, is I often feel like I'm trying to describe something, but my arsenal of words isn't there, and I, I feel like I'm being stuck. You know, when you're trying to say something and you're trying to communicate a thought that's in your head, but I haven't got the vocabulary to be able to then translate it into words. So by doing that, it helps me then expand my vocabulary so that I can continue to learn and explain things how it is pictured in my head. You should get my vocabulary Yeah, I think quite like that. Shall I say today's word on the podcast? I did this last time. Today's word on the podcast, everybody. I've already done that one this morning. Is fastidious. 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 (laughs) Thank you, Carl. You can also... Can you hear him? Yeah. Oh, first idea. Yes. <laughs> um, very attentive to and concerned about accuracy and detail. But this is the reason, it's not the sole reason, but I actually recently got a Kindle and that's because of Chris Williamson, actually. Does he read on a Kindle? He reads he? on a Kindle. Wow. And you can highlight in the Kindle, you can search, you can tap on a word and it tells you what it means. That's good. And I also like having tons of books in one place. It's just easy. I'm not I'm not as good with like a paper book, I don't think. I like being able to read in the bath or just have it around like a little Yeah. I think it is a re- little thing. I think it's a really useful tool, but I'm quite old school. I like having a physical like book. It. I think because I spend so much time on screens as it is, mm. I like to have something physical. So the other thing that I then do is I don't know if you see my book downstairs, but my book has a biro pen and a highlight edge are clipped over to the front cover of the book so the big thing is highlighting stuff mm-hmm. especially important stuff or stuff that i want to bring up in the podcast or stuff that i want to use for content i'll just go through and highlight it's a super easy way for it to be visual when i want to flick back to it does it make you feel like the half blood prince when you do that when you <laughs> oh yes it makes me feel like it yeah yeah i like that quote yeah 100 percent. and then the other thing is like you mentioned with your previous point just doing 15 to 20 minutes per day is absolutely fine I think if you try and do too much and bite off more than you can chew, it makes you feel stressed. That you've got to go, I've got to do this. It's the same with exercise. It when makes you, it unenjoyable. When you stop, first start doing exercise, I'm going to do two hours per day. It's just unrealistic. Just break it down first. And if you can't do 10K steps, do 8K. If you can't do 8K, do 6K. Same with reading. Break it down, do smaller chunks. Lastly, only read what you're interested in or have a why. Have a why for for why you're reading that book. Don't just read mm-hmm. it because someone else has read it or someone else that's good. I think you need to have a genuine interest or there needs to be a why to 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 the to the purpose of the book. You're reading it for educational purposes. You're reading it because you need to know about that topic to relay it. You're reading it for a presentation. You're reading it for work. You're reading it for enjoyment. There needs to be a purpose behind it. Otherwise, I think you'll get bored and just end up leaving the book. Yeah, because I don't read that many novels. I think I've read maybe in the past three years, like one novel. And it was brilliant. It, it was like a little escape. But I prefer reading books that are more like mindset or business or something or worldly or humanity or I know that whatever it is. There's a big argument for about reading stories. I've, I've, I've never really got into it. I think because I watch so many movies, I'm like, okay, I like to take my mind into something a bit different with a book. But it's not to say that I wouldn't read a storybook. I read The Hobbit and I read half of Lord of the Rings because that was the biggest book I've ever seen in my whole entire life. But I'm currently reading Ego is the Enemy by Ryan Holiday. If anyone wants to have a little look. Great book. Point number one, two, three, four, five, six. 
Training for performance is more enjoyable than aesthetics. I have really spoke about this a lot. That's just my personal preference. I think yeah, it's, training, it's an opinion. Yeah. I think training for performance, and I'm not saying as in go and race, go and do a competition, as in you just have performance goals. So I want to run my first 5K and you have a time for it, or I just want to run a 10K. I want to learn how to bench press. I want to increase my strength. I want to deadlift 200 kilos. Like whatever the kind of goal is, or I want to do a high rocks competition. You know, you know that sign of kind of thing, and it's just enjoyable, and you don't need to add pressure to it. I grew up with so much pressure, and I think I fell out of love for performance training because I just oh god, the pressure and the stress that came with swimming was just immense. So I completely fell out of love with it and just thought, oh, the only reason that I need to train is aesthetics. It only needs to be what I look like because that's all people care about, and it's clearly all I care about. Can I just play devil's advocate and just kind of? Th- throw a caveat on this if you weren't in the shape that you're in now do you think that you would just be solely based on performance do know. i think i look the way i look because i grew up being performance based though what what i'm I'm getting at is that people who don't look like you they're most of the people will probably go to the gym because they want to lose a couple of pounds fit into a different dress size be able to fit into an old top feel a bit more confident when they go on holiday the, and I agree, by the way, that you will feel way better if you also throw a performance element in there. For me, my, in my opinion, I think it's better to do both. I think it's better to have a, a goal to be more aesthetically looking. Oh, that wasn't the thing. I said it. I said training for performance is more enjoyable. Okay. Not better. I'm just asking you the question, though. Do you think that you would just train for performance if you didn't look the way that you look? I don't know. I can never answer that question. I can't give you I, I, I can say from my point of view that I, I probably wouldn't if I was going at it from a beginner. I know that for a lot of people, basically what opens the door is that they want to change the way they look. And then you start to find this avenue of other stuff, which is why a lot of coaching is about giving people what they want with what they need. So adding an element of performance there. Because yeah, I agree with you what you're saying in terms of the performance-driven elements of training will then create a certain look as well. I just think it's hard to get that across to people sometimes because the bodybuilding element takes over a lot. Yeah, absolutely. But I just think we have probably taken on more people who are running and lifting in the past year, especially on my coach and like my one-to-ones. I think all of them run and lift because running makes them feel fucking awesome. They're not... And then they're like, oh, okay, so my aesthetic goals are still happening, but I love my training. Mm-hmm. If you love your training, you're going to look better because you enjoy no, no, it. I agree. So that's my point is in terms of training, having different goals for performance. I'm not saying don't have aesthetic goals. I just think if you don't have performance goals, I think that's where you become more obsessed with what you look like, but you yeah. only care about what you look like. And that I hate, I didn't like myself when I was that person. I was on such low calories. I was obsessed with what I look like. I already had a six pack. I was already jacked. The shape had never changed. I was when I only thought about aesthetics. I was obsessed. Whereas now, I love having performance elements. I think it's it's difficult. You've got to be a certain type of person who, like we spoke about before, just does bodybuilding because it's just based on self perceived perfectionism or gaining validation from judges or other people. And I think it's even more difficult now with the rise of social media because bodybuilders back in the day, they were doing it for themselves and for the judges only. So. 
I don't think maybe there was a, a vicious spiral as much as there is now where bodies are seen all the time through the off-seasons, on-seasons, being in shape. And from that, you've not, you've not only now got a category of actual professional bodybuilders and competitors, you've kind of got this subcategory of people who are bro lifters who just mm-hmm. lift because they want sponsorships, they want social validation, they want to look a certain way all year, they want to sleep with people. And I think that group of people can sometimes fall into that trap of where you're just solely training to impress other people, which is then you're just lending your own ego out to be validated by other people or to be knocked by other people, which can also be super, super detrimental to your own mental health as well. Yeah, I think it's in what what our ethos always has been for my coach and, and ourselves is performance aesthetics and health. So I'm not saying just have that goal or just have a health or just aesthetic. I think having a bit of all of them yeah. is a really, really sweet and happy spot to be because aesthetic goals are great. If you want to lose fat, lose weight, build muscle, whatever it is, I think they're fantastic and they can keep you on track. Mm. But for me, it definitely got to a point where I was like, oh my God, I'm so self-obsessed. Like, this isn't this isn't making me feel good. I had, a good I had a really good balance up when we were on holiday that I'm thinking of even implementing into a program when I'm at home, which was... I do a day on, day off of running and lifting. So day running, day lifting, day running, day lifting. I, f- I find that really enjoyable because some days I just want to go and do a bit of a bro session, get a bit of a pump up on, on arms. Mm. And some days I feel like going out for a run and listen to a podcast. So it's serving really well. I, I also only have one more point. I didn't like my last one. What do you so mean? I only have one more after your next one, but then you'll have Okay, well, this, this podcast now has been destroyed with Lucy's nine points instead of ten. No, but we can still call it ten anyway, points. Point number eight. Eight. You're welcome. Relentlessly cut people out of your immediate periphery. I've made this one up before. So it's it's all about, I think... Periphery is in like your peripheral vision. And just, it can be like your people who are around, even with social media, people you're looking at all the time as well. Mm. I think this is something that I've, not just this year, but picked up on over the last year or two, is to do with the people around you. People around you, basically, even if it's on social media, become your community, and you start to want what other people want, not necessarily what you want. The same narrative in the way that the market is in terms of the way that people buy products or services that people buy what other people want, not what they want. You're always attracted by that immediate community. So, if you've got people close to you and you're following people all the time, often people will fall into the trap of wanting or valuing what other people value, not actually what you value, just because it's what the wider community is pushing as a as a narrative so i think cutting people out of your life that you see as toxic or people that make you feel upset or just people who you've maybe known for a long time who are now seeping toxic traits into your life or being negative towards you or make you feel in a certain way you just don't have time in life to surround yourself with those kinds of people mm. that you need to get to get rid i absolutely agree i've not done that for a really really long time but it was more so like after high school that happened on like uni as in I just people just also weren't very nice to me (laughs) at certain points you speak really badly behind my back and was so nice to my face I'm thinking wow what a weapon you are like I don't (laughs) want you I I just don't want you in my like if you can't it's fine like you don't like what I'm doing I don't I don't really care if you think I'm boring at the time or if I was doing something I don't speak to those people at all anymore and I'm probably in a far better place for that and it can be really weird and hard cutting people out but I think naturally as you grow grow up 
you drift away from certain people yeah. and then you find your people i have some of like three of my best best friends i've met in the in the past three years fliss steph and lauren i've met them in the past three i met laws last year and she's changed my life yeah. i met her last year or maybe two was it two years ago maybe yeah. i can't even remember but as you grow up and you go through different stages, you do meet different people and it's like, whoa, yeah. I've met you. I feel like I've met you so late, late on in life. Like, where have you been? I think it, even with that on social media as well, and this one, it does not be cutting people from your life. It can just be simply unfollowing people as well. I think what you what we see a lot of online is lots of different people telling us how we should be living our lives. And some of them are like 23 years old. Like, fuck me, you've got no life experience. And you're trying to tell other people how to live their lives, and you're being pulled from pillar to post, that, and you start implementing different things that people, different people are telling you, and you just end up with this big toolbox of mismatched things, and you're trying different things, and you're not being consistent long enough with habits to keep accountable and make them part of your daily routine. And po- half of these people, they don't even know how to live their own life. They haven't even got their own shit together, and they're telling other people how to live their own lives on social media. Mm. And some of these people, I'm not trying to pour shit on the body positivity movement because there's some good things that come from it, a lot of good things. But I often find there's a lot of people in that category who what they're doing is they're either coaching other people, they're telling other people using their own personal experiences to almost shit on other people's way of life. Mm-hmm. And because they failed at something and they haven't still got the shit together yet, they're trying to coach other people, they're trying to... They're trying to impact other people's lives and live their own lives through other people's. If that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. And it, one of the things, uh, quotes that I pulled from, and I think I've mentioned this in a previous podcast, is that inner citadel theory. Inner citadel? Yeah. So it's the, like it's, the example, it's the example of, and I'll use the body positivity movement for it, is some, of the, some people will say, well, weight doesn't have any bearing on health. Of course it does. There's, there's direct correlations and causations to do with cardiac cardiac arrest, poor health, diabetes, diabetes um, heart attacks. attacks. Even, even I've mentioned this before with bodybuilders, and there's a, a really good quote uh, I had, I think, Danny Wilson talking on a podcast about how big bodybuilders, you don't have to just be overweight. Even big bodybuilders who hold loads of muscle, what you've got to think about is your heart. So you, even yeah, if you, what, it's a lot of strain on your heart, even if it's just a lot of muscle, not necessarily a lot of fat, weight does have a direct impact on that. And he gave the... the analogy of how it's like having a a boiler in a house and you took the boiler from our house and put it in a 12 bedroom house the same boiler is trying to trying to push heat mm. to a much bigger building it's going to it's going to bust because it doesn't have the the capacity to be able to heat that home it still has a big impact on the heart if you're heavier so it does have a, a direct impact on health but what some people do is they when they can't have something or they failed at something, they then say, oh, I don't value that anymore. It's not important anymore. They then change the rules of the game. Does that make sense? Because they failed at something, they go, oh, it doesn't really matter. Similar, uh, try and pull another example is if you've ever tried to book tickets for a concert, you really, 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 really wanted to go and it was this big social thing of how important, how great this concert was, but you failed to get tickets for it, then you go, fuck it, I never really wanted to go anyway, it's shit. And start telling people how crap it was because you couldn't have something. You then change the rules of the game and you then change what you want. Mm-hmm. So that's the inner citadel theory. And I think it's a really important thing to do with how people push things and and 
how certain type of people will change the narrative on social media and almost try and influence your lives through their own personal experience. And I don't think that you should ever, you should never knock other people down ever for what they're, if they're trying to change their lives or trying to do something that's impactful for them or better them in a certain way, especially to do with health. You should never be batting them down. Yeah, I don't think anyone should have like an opinion on other people on social media anyway. They're doing something, just let them do what they want to do. If you don't agree with that, that's absolutely fine. Yeah. That that's that whole thing though, isn't it? Where people suddenly change their whole trajectory because they failed at something. Like we give up too easily. Like let's try not like as a nation. <laughs> like I, it, my actually, this completely goes into my next point. If I can go on to number nine. Yeah, I just think I was explaining this to Carl before from the book that I'm reading at the moment. Oh, I've completely forgot the name of the book. Eager, the, the ape, the ape that understood understood the universe. It's we're in we're in this space at the moment that we don't fully understand we've got this social media mismatch i think i told you about this story about the hedgehog so it's it's about this age where we're battling evolution versus culture and if we look at the hedgehog for example the hedgehog was developed to kind of roll up in this ball with the spikes on its back because that was part of evolution to protect it against other animals who tried to bite it but now what happens is the hedgehog goes onto the road sees a car a big massive truck coming at 10 tons or whatever it is and it rolls up and stops into a little ball because that's its protective mechanism to spike other things so. what's going to happen if a 10 ton truck comes towards it it's not going to protect it against that but that's that's part of culture that we've made these massive machines now that travel long roads at 80 to 100 mile an hour it's going to squash a hedgehog but a hedgehog hasn't evolved to be able to deal with these new cultural changes in in the world so therefore, we've got this mis- mismatch between culture and evolution. Same happens with human beings in the way that we've still not evolved to be able to deal with the fast pace of social media and the things online. So we're almost Flintstones in the fast lane, mm. which is what we're peddling, trying to catch up. And we've got this mismatch going on with our brain. We're not fully prepared for what's being thrown at us daily by different people and different things online, especially with the implementation of AI, which is just a whole different yeah. world as well. The... Last point that I was going to make, it is kind of linked into yours, but it's just about failing. Mm-hmm. And we, we again, spoke about this at Performance because it was a really, really valid point. And just from what you were saying there, sometimes when, yeah, someone, I, I use the word fail because it's not a bad word. Like failing is fine. Like it's actually great to fail. You learn a lot from the experiences. I think it has really, obviously it's not, has negative connotations because you've not done something you wanted to do. But for that reason on social media, as you said, if someone fails at something <laughs> once, they'll just give up on it. Why would you Why would you give up on it? Why wouldn't you give it another go? Like get back up and give it another go. It's supposed to be really hard to get back up and do something again. You might feel absolutely shit. So say you've gone out and tried to run your first 10K and you failed. Okay, go home and we'll try again. I think far too easily people will then just change their goals, their trajectory, what they believe in because they failed something once. And that was more to that thing where you said about the body positivity thing. They've done something and then it's like, oh, I'm just going to change my whole, what I believe in. I'm just going to change it. I'm going to change the whole process. And one of the things we learned this from Amelia actually, and I I love using this analogy. I probably use it forever. I think it's fantastic. The Netflix model as a business and as a company, they have to fail a certain amount of times per year is in like a goal. They have a goal number to fail in and they've not hit that failure number. It means that employees and people who work there and Netflix as a whole haven't been creative enough as a company 
what a good way to look at failure. Like if you're not putting yourself self out there, as in we've personally failed loads. My coach says loads of stuff has failed. The podcast loads of stuff has failed. And if you don't put yourself out there and just ask and do and try and give it your best go, yeah, you probably are going to fail, but great. See what you can learn from it. Get back up and go again. Mm. I know it's well, it's well easy me saying that compared to it, but we've all had experiences where we've failed and we've failed hard. It's been really, really difficult to get back up. But when you do, you then look back at the failure and you can appreciate what what had happened. I think it's the even the fear of failure that that stop that even before people try. But the thing with that position and holding that mindset is that if you look at yourself and where you're at, so you're at the start point, this is where you want to get to and the fear of failure stopping you from doing it. Even if you just sit there and don't do anything, you've still failed anyway because you've not even tried. You might as well, f- you might as well fail and learn something. Mm-hmm. That's why I always say the difference between you and the person that you want to be is just failing more times. Yeah. And you'll learn a hell of a lot more from it. Absolutely. So that was my number nine and then, no, no, that was, what? What was your fourth point on this? I have no more. Yeah. So this is the ninth <laughs> point. And this this, this tie, is the ninth this, and final. This, this tie, well, we might have a little bit of wisdom from Cal for number 10. Yeah. We'll the bonus Cal, one. think of a number 10. Cap on. So number nine, and this ties into what you were talking about. And I was I was thinking about this a lot on holiday when I was when I was doing more running, is just doing something hard each week, each day, whether it be exercise, Whatever it may be in your life, and when I'm talking about doing something hard, I'm not talking about something which society deems as hard. I'm talking about something that is hard to you because everyone's level of hard is going to be different. Someone's level of hard might just be attending the gym for the first time this week. It might be doing one to two sessions per week. It might be wearing a slightly different style of clothing out because you haven't got the confidence. It might be speaking to someone in the street. It might, it might be, it could be anything. Do you know what I mean? Everyone's level of hard and what they aim to do is going to be very different. Um, so doing something hard, I think, each week would definitely help shape you as a different human being. Just because even from when we look at an exercise point of view, whenever you do anything that's physically hard, your body changes and adapts, it evolves to be able to deal with that new stimulus, which is amazing. Even looking at the physiological effects of just doing something hard. So obviously one of the, some of the things that we've been doing is looking at ice baths. So even with ice baths, as, as listen to Huberman speak, speak about this, <laughs> is a body adapts to cold. So it gets used to cold more. So even that, when even even when <laughs> you're in cold conditions or in doing other things, your body won't feel as cold. Not just when yeah, it's in true. the ice bath, but when you go into the cold elements or the weather or whatever it may be. So that's massively helpful. There's a change in your metabolic rate. There's a change in how your body regulates when it's in the cold. Not that we've been doing hot cold therapy, but even if you look at a sauna, maybe if you're someone who does a lot of saunas, again, Huben would talk about this. The sweat glands actually change in your body. So as the temperature dials up the pathways that then produce and push out sweat they grow in the presence of heat so that's what i'm talking about doing something hard actually forces physical change and adaptions yeah it does with your body as well doesn't it doing different sports that's what, that's what i'm talking about so it'll watch your body change we look at exercise there's physical and the psychological benefits so doing something train every day whatever it may be it's going to change it's going to better your performance it's going to release serotonin it's going to release endorphins it's going to have that feel-good factor you just feel good at the end of exercise and there's a lot of times when we were away can't be arsed running around this lake five times because it's a 2k lap but i was thinking this is actually harder than doing a 10k at home because i've got to just do the same thing as fucking boring but doing something that's way harder felt way more rewarding at the end Mm. So it's definitely something to be said about doing things that are usually harder. And 
this is the thing for me about someone asked me a question about this on Instagram yesterday. Do I train every day? I've started to exercise every day. So if I'm not following a program or even if I am following a program, then this can be sometimes quite counterproductive. I'm not saying people should train every day, but for us, we're at a slightly different point probably with our training age and also we'll listen to our body. So if we're saying, Ben, you're in an absolute hellhole at the moment, I'll probably take a day off when my body needs it or if I psychologically need it. But for me, when I wake up, it's a choice of thinking, how do I want to feel? Mm-hmm. And training makes me feel better. So it may not be a case of going redlining sessions every single day, but it could just be going doing an easy session, doing a walk, doing an uh, easy run, doing some Muay Thai, whatever it may be. A bit of yoga could be a bit of mobility. That makes me then feel better. So I'm doing it now for the psychological benefits, way more over just optimizing performance. Yeah, it's always one of those really weird questions, isn't it? Where it's like, do you train every day? It's like, well, I just listen to my body. Mm-hmm. If my body's going to let me train every day for two weeks, then yeah, probably. One of those days might just be an easy 5K run. So you don't really know. And as Ben said before, everyone's heart is completely different. But yeah, definitely just sitting on the bike or walking yeah, bike. or hitting your steps, just just getting out, getting some fresh air, especially as it's getting a little bit nicer in the UK. It is really nice to get some fresh air especially early in the morning, get the serotonin boost in. Yeah. And yeah, I agree so with that. If you're thinking about skipping a session, just think, ask yourself the simple question of how do I want to feel? Mm. And that, that, will, that should answer it for you. It's, it's, it's difficult, but you will know how you feel after skipping a session or after doing a session. You'll never regret doing a session. I always, always say that. Unless you're really ill, obviously. Yeah. The other reason, again, this comes back to the book that I'm reading at the moment is mm-hmm. Uh, there's a there's a quote in there which talks about how human beings are living for longer and look more youthful than ever because we live a much easier life. There's nothing hard in our lives anymore. There's nothing as hard as that we used to have it, basically, which will challenge us and make us grow and make us develop or get us ready for anything. And if we never go through anything hard, how can we expect to be equipped to deal with the loss of loved ones? How can we be equipped to deal with the loss of a job, a financial crisis, pain or danger? If you never go through anything hard ever, what happens when you actually get hit with something hard in life? Did Goggins say that? No, this was from the book that I was reading. Maybe uh, Goggins took it from the same book. I just feel like he's obviously a I think really Peterson, P- Peterson's talked about a lot about this, about getting your own shit in order and tidying your bedroom, standing up straight experience hardship to then make sure that you're a a more well-equipped human being to deal with what life throws at you as well yeah i just thought that was a goggins quote for some reason it sounded very goggins because he is an extreme example i really like him i get a lot of inspiration from him but he is definitely on the extreme yeah and it probably sounds a little bit pushy it probably sounds a little bit bro to say this because a lot of people will want to try and avoid discomfort i think as human beings we're just built like that but i think putting yourself through experiences of discomfort massively help you grow as an individual as a person gives you a lot more life experience yeah i think so too absolutely and the last thing on that is to reflect upon it so then have gratitude on that hard period um because it actually helps wire the brain to reflect on the achievement enjoy it and appreciate the things and the basic it's it's a basic positive reinforcement psychological reinforcement to do those acts and do hardship again once you've just kind of sat back and gone, do you know what? I've actually done something great there. Mm. Whether that be go to the gym, whether it be go for a run, whether that be put yourself in an uncomfortable position, whatever it may be, reflecting on it, having gratitude then helps ingrain and wire the brain to make you do it more. Agree. Carl, have we got number 10? 
if I put you on the spot. Carl's laptop died, everybody. Yeah. No, I'd, I'd point do... number 10, be prepared. <laughs> That'll be it. But, but my, my point 10 was basically what you said there anyway, so that was actually fine. It was more just about like humans like can be really fucking hardcore. Yeah. <laughs> that was we're, point we're, number 10. We are built to be able to achieve amazing things. Yeah. So, so yeah. don't don't just kind of get to the end of your life. I'd, I'd never want to be on my deathbed and think... Wish I'd done more. Yeah. I think that's the that's thing I've massively been reflecting on in 2023 yeah awesome did Carl awesome. have one or was that it that was it no I think the only one that I was going to say is just like putting yourself out there and like asking for things if you think you're maybe not prepared for something just fucking go for it just um, ask I think Lucy Davis is like the queen of this <laughs> just I do I do really well we've got just... an example but we won't name no, it no we can't do that one can't share yeah. that um, just honestly <laughs> just ask people ask people questions ask people anything sometimes you'll get a reply sometimes you won't sometimes you'll be bang on ignored you might get blocked who cares like I... the worst thing you can do is not ask so i just think and a lot of opportunities have come from asking yeah, yeah. I, I don't think i can really talk about this one either but i did something that was probably the most uncomfortable thing i've done i can think of in my life at the moment at performex speaking event that we did um oh yeah we can't speak about that but two yeah. weeks ago i'll probably speak about it at some point but i put myself in the most uncomfortable p- position and this is part of my non-negotiables i think this is probably a good thing to read out just to finish the podcast is that both me and lucy when we we're in orlando wrote down some of our non-negotiables that i have most of mine i already do but i just wanted to put mine down because i think i feel like when it's on notes for me and i put it on my social media it's a lot more, I'm a lot more accountable to it. So for me, it was ice bath as close to daily as possible. Uh, I think the, the the stats that were released was to do with 11 minutes, 11 to 15 minutes per mm-hmm. week is a good thing to do. I'm going to exercise daily. Like I said, I've been doing these things because I like to think about how I'm going to fit, psychologically feel or mentally feel each day. Read daily for at least 15 minutes. Take my greens again, which I've been doing. Mm-hmm. Write something authentic or powerful in terms of content put myself in one uncomfortable position or situation per week, do something that moves my business forward this week, spend focused, uninterrupted time with Lucy at least one to two times per week. That's super important for anyone who's wanting to grow and nurture a relationship. And then the last thing was for me was fight at least two times per week. This doesn't mean fight with Lucy. This means (laughs) means go to Muay Thai and do some sparring. Yeah, they're great. I've actually not written mine yet. Um, I do have an affirmation thing that I write in my wardrobe. Go hard. Today it says you are doing amazing things. Awesome. That's what I wrote <laughs> this morning before the gym. <laughs> Feeling absolutely fucked. But that... Um, the one thing I was ever going to say as well, something about this weekend. Oh, also if anyone is going to FIBO, me and Lucy oh, yeah. are going to be at FIBO just randomly. Just randomly so we will told. be there with my protein. If anyone else is going, come and say hello to my protein. Stand. yeah it's in it's in germany and we we got asked and thought yeah germany well yeah. amazing so yeah if anyone's at fibo that would be so cool to see you and next next week fingers crossed we will have some more guest episodes coming up which are really cool people yeah absolutely i was gonna say if you have guest suggestions and things like that please drop it onto the youtube or spotify and just let us know message us on instagram and we'll do our very very best yeah. to collab on a personal note please 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 make sure that you subscribe if you're listening on Spotify or watching, 
I think there's like a little Q&A box that you can also use on Spotify now as well. If you're taking especially anything from this episode, please share it with other people who you think may benefit from it because it means a lot to me and Lucy personally. And it also helps us get more and more guests onto the podcast who are great, interesting conversations. Also, obviously, if you watch on YouTube, subscribe and like there. Share if you're listening on Apple um, and tag us on Instagram as well. Yeah, absolutely. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode and we will catch you next week. Bye, guys. Bye.